Welcome to the Joy in the Journey podcast, a podcast about everyday people sharing everyday journeys. Everyone has a story, and I'm so excited to be highlighting people who share their unique stories about finding joy in theirs. I am your host, Catherine Buckley Tessim. I am a child of the king, firefighter wife, mom of two littles, and an entrepreneur. I love my sweet tea and being a small town Texas girl. Welcome to the journey. Howdy, y'all. Welcome to episode 11 of the Joy in the Journey podcast. Like my intro said, I'm Catherine Buckley-Tessum, and I'll be your host on this podcast that is all about sharing and finding joy in the journey. I am so excited to be welcoming my friend, Matt Monero, to the show today. Matt is a former college athlete and current NFLPA certified contract advisor and in his sixth year with Team Sports Agency. He has helped negotiate millions of dollars in player contracts. He began his career with the Frisco Rough Riders in sales and corporate partnerships. He is a two-time conference champion football player from Washita Baptist University. He has extensive knowledge of the game and is very business savvy to execute his responsibilities there with team sport. So Matt, welcome and thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Catherine. It feels like uh, it's been forever since we were roaming Dr. Pepper ballpark, uh, giving tours and, and handing things out uh, for on behalf of other companies. So it, it's crazy journey to see uh, where we're at today and even just being able to sit here and talk the way we are because I feel like some of those evenings netted so <laughs> but uh, it's awesome yes and I'm so excited to be catching up with you and what I'd like for you to share with our listeners to start off is just kind of the the early days in your career you know um jumping into of course six years with um, team sports agency but overall I mean nearing a decade since you you know, have been, been in college and take us along. Um, so I guess we'll just start off with, with sports in general. Um, I think probably the story that I didn't think I would tell what you just started with, uh, was, uh, there was a former student from my university. We're a very small college. There's 1300 kids at my college. I had a graduating class in high school, close to the exact amount of people that were in my college. So I went to a really small college in Arkansas. Um, but there was somebody that had graduated way back in the day that uh, had somehow ended up being the director of partnerships for the Mets when I was in college. And he knew the dean of the business school who I was close with. So they put me in contact with him and just being a football player, athlete, not fully understanding the business world and time and everything. Um, I got a pretty scathing email from him asking after I had asked him for uh, a phone informational interview and like, I was taken aback at the time. Like I thought, wow, like this is a director, you know, basically picking on a kid that has football practice in the spring. And like throughout the entire time, there was a piece of me that was kind of, my ego was hurt. I thought, man, like I'm, I'm reaching out to you. I'm doing all the things they said. You went to my alma mater, like you're supposed to help me. And it was one of those things where I sat down and talked to my Dean about it. And he said, look, he said, he's doing you a favor. You're not doing him a favor. And I was like, in my head, I didn't fully comprehend that mentality um, of, you know, they're taking their time out of their day to help me out and possibly give me a, you know, an, an opportunity to an internship or an opportunity to work. And I think that was one of those things finally clicked. And that's why I saw, I think, after I had that conversation, I applied. I went to the uh, Dallas Stars Career Sports Careers Fair uh, on a Tuesday after a biology class. I drove down. Uh, and I just went around and we interviewed with everybody under the sun. And it was 
the most weird, awkward experience ever, but got a call back from the Rough Riders and went and interviewed. And, you know, I think it, if the, 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 that's where the story starts with sports. And I think one thing that a lot of people forget about the sports industry is you have to just put your feet in it just to see if this is what you want to do. I think one of the biggest reasons I got into what I was doing is not because I wanted to be a sports agent, not because I'd ever dreamed about this. Not, it was never in my plans. It was, hey, you just got done playing college football. You know you're going to business school. You want to still be in football, B, and here's an opportunity with an internship. And, I, I, and I'm very fortunate because the internship that I got was a professor uh, who worked with the aide, and it was just very, uh, it was very turnkey. Um, but just to get started out, uh, after I got done playing on December 1st, we had our playoff game on January 1st. I started my internship uh, at the time. Uh, it was called United Athlete Agency. When I was with United Athlete Agency, and it was uh, some of the same partners, but uh, a different group as well. And I basically was just my senior year, second semester, didn't know what I was doing. Intern, I got luckily was fortunate to go to the uh, senior bowl, to the NFL combine and really didn't have any guidance. It was just kind of like, hey, we need your help and you need to produce a work uh, product and help us for the draft. And that was really it. It was kind of, hey, this is a very broad thing you need to help us with or you can add value and I think that's one thing that if there's any advice that I give to anybody is just like that was one thing I told myself I was going to do was always provide value whether that was I didn't have the capital or the monetary funds to do it but I knew that I really hard and I can I could work smart and I can figure out how can I fill a void that they need just have conversations ask questions in those car rides and those things and I think that was probably the biggest thing is I was kind of uh, i Swallowed my pride and swallowed my, told myself, look, if you drive the owner of the company around to go get his dry cleaning, and if you take him to go get lunch and, and all those things, you spend very quality time with the person that makes the ship run. And I learned so much from, from him spending pretty much every day on the job, just doing everything, uh, running errands, being a gopher, whatever I had to do. I mean, chargers at two in the morning, whatever it might be. But more importantly, I learned the business and I also learned what was working and what wasn't and I was able to go back to them and say hey like this is what I think we can do and granted um probably the one thing that uh I would give my self-advice for in six years ago would be is in this industry in any industry in any business you don't know what you don't know and I think that was probably the hardest thing for me you know coming out of college and, and going to grad school and thinking oh, I'm a hot shot like I, I can do these things I know football and it's like you get into it and realize Oh, if, if it was that easy, everybody would be doing it and there'd be no point. Um, there's so much involved <laughs> in this than just what you see on Ballers or Jerry Maguire. And there's so much, there's a personal level to it. Um, and, and again, that's just the way we do our business here at Team Sports. But uh, it, it's a very unique and uh, energetic industry. Uh, every day is, a, is a, a new journey. And that's what I love about it. I get to do a bunch of different things. I'm never in for uh, eight hours a day and get to go out and travel and see a bunch of people. So some people hate that. And that's awesome. And I want to, I want to touch on a couple of things there um, from your journey is your work ethic. You know, you talk about um, being able to do whatever it is that you're called to do, whether it's driving or negotiating mm -hmm. contracts, you know, you have a wealth of knowledge there and good advice for people starting out uh, for any of our listeners who are looking to break into the industry. It is, it's really just like, what are you going to do that brings value? How mm -hmm. 
is your work ethic going to be? And uh, one story that I do want you to tell our listeners is um, kind of being in the right place at the right time. But one of your first sales, you know, didn't actually come over the phone. It was out on the street. Yeah. So, I mean, again, I think a lot of this goes back to it uh, is the people around you, the situations that you take advantage of for your benefit. I was blessed with great parents that were able to support me uh, and, and give me an opportunity to create an apartment, luckily right across within walking distance of the ball. Um, and probably that advantage alone put me into that opportunity. So I got to thank mom and dad for that one. But the great part about it was I was walking home. We had sales training. It was our first day, actually. It was training day. So we had sales training in the morning. Uh, we had just gotten done going over the sweet packages and everything. And they said, hey, you know, study your materials. We're going to have a competition at the end of the day, get you on some cold calls uh, for a Julio's gift certificate. And uh, I was like, okay, I'm going to win. Like, that's just, that's what in my DNA, I'm an athlete. That's what I want to do. I want to win. Um, and the day was already starting bad because, in, you know, don't tell a lot of these guys this. I was like late almost on my first day because uh, I was walking over. Uh, I sweated through my first shirt because it's 100 degrees on my first day in June. And I came in like scruff, like bad. I remember Shay story asked me the first day. She's like, are you OK? Like, because I was like red and sweating. And I was like, look, I, I ran here and I didn't understand. I Whatever. So it was just a bad day. And I came home from I was like, OK, I'm going to kill it. And, and, you know, I studied hard. And this woman just tapped me on the shoulder and was like, you work here as I'm walking in the building. And I'm like, yeah, what can I help you with? Like, just. I was like, I can't lie and say I don't because I do. And uh, she said, hi, uh, I want to have a sweet for my birthday. And I was like, excuse me? And she was like, yeah, what sweets do you have available? And it was one of those moments where I was like, you can do one of two things. You can call your boss real quick and say, can you come help me? Or you can give her some information that you knew, which I had just studied the packet, and then call your boss and say, is this thing available? And uh, luckily enough, I said, yeah, I remember I started rattling off all of the, basically every piece of literature, too much information, way over the top. And it, I really wasn't selling. I was just regurgitating everything I had just read. And then finally, I got on the phone with uh, Andrew Sidney, who we're still close with today. And he's in Detroit. Um, and I said, hey, man, I got an opportunity right now. And he's like, you're lying. And I said, hey, how many suites do we have available for this game? And he was like, we don't. And I said, please don't do this to me. And then he said, but we do have the presidential suite available. And I said, oh, what does that mean? And then I looked at the lady and I said, ma'am, unfortunately, we don't have anything that I just told you about, but we do have this private presidential suite. And she just looked at me and she goes, I'll take it. And just like that, you know, the most premium level suite sale that she can have uh, was on my first day of the internship, got the bell and everything. And, and really for me, it was just one of those things where it's like, you, I watched people that we interned with never make a sale until maybe their last week. And it was just a feeding and I think that's one thing with sales is no matter what, you just got to keep fighting through it. And sometimes the breaks go for you and sometimes they go against you. But I think my whole philosophy was, is I got lucky, like, let's just keep working at it. Maybe this thing is, there's something to it. And, you know, really just accepted that. And I but kind of fueled my success maybe at Frisco was like on your first day, you had a positive. It wasn't completely all bad. So um, it was crazy. Uh, I know the guys in the bullpen were not very happy that the intern just, jacked that sale from him but it was a really cool experience i've told that ex uh, experience to get him to grad school and a couple other stories so <laughs> it's always a fun one to share but absolutely i had zero talent at all <laughs> no that you took the time and you understood the importance of 
knowing the literature, like you said, uh, knowing your materials and what you're working with. And I, again, I feel like so much of your journey um, through being a competitive athlete, but then also going on to top business school in the country to later earn your degree to get you into the field that you're in now, that again, you have to have that competitive drive, that competitive edge, but it takes you into so much more of life as well. So what was it like really, again, growing up and finding the balance of being a collegiate athlete and then also developing on the professional side? Um, I'll be honest. I think for my first year of college, my parents will tell you right now that they were about to tell me, uh, I'll call your coach and I'll pull, tell him to pull your scholarship if I see another C on your uh, progress report. And I had a little too much fun my first year at a Baptist school. Uh, <laughs> um, but the, the honest truth about it was, is when I realized that football wasn't going to be my forever in terms of, and I think everybody has that, op- that, that moment in life. And even there's guys today, I still work with guys that they played 20 years ago and they say, I could still go play like right now, but there's a time in life where you kind of have to reevaluate is the reality really going to, is the probability and possibility, where is that line up? And probably my sophomore year, I took a hard look at myself and I said, who do you want to be? What do you want to do? And I said, biggest thing for me was when I was in high school playing football, it was work hard you'll be successful and you'll get a scholarship. And that was kind of the mentality is go get the scholarship. Uh, all of that worked out, but that was kind of the goal. And there was a prize. Well, in football and college is like work hard. You get what you, you win for your team, but what is the, you know, what's, what's after that for you and really didn't understand. I w- was out of it. And this is in grad school that I realized all of the hard work, all the two days, all the extra things that I did for myself, the off season work, the stuff that my friends made fun of me for and teammates, that was just go with joy in the dirt. It's just believing in that process, falling in love with the grind of everything. And, and I think uh, there's working hard and then there's hard work. And I think a lot of times we get those two things confused um, because there is hard work and people work really hard, but you got to figure out which one is going to get you to the place that you need to be. And then also for a lot of people, it's just developing that discipline and work ethic, I think, is really all it is, in my opinion. Again, um, I, I was raised this way. My parents pretty much ingrained this in me uh, and, and tried to get me to understand it. I, I fully understand it now. But that's really where it came down to was just understanding, like, look, you have to work hard and then you're not be playing football anymore. So just put that same amount of work that you did into football, into your business life. Now, again, we'll get into later on about, you know, work-life balance and health and, and all that and my wife and her thoughts on all of this. But um, but no, it's really about just kind of figuring out, you know, hey, I put a lot of time and effort into things that I may or may not enjoy doing. I just do them. Maybe just flip it into something that's actually going to positively benefit whatever you want it to do. I mean, I'm not a big, you know, I don't, nothing against people that play video games. I can't do it. I'd rather spend my time working on something else but you know there's some people that i know that spend a lot of time playing video games and i'm like dude like don't come at me telling me about oh, i wish i had this this and that but you're playing call of duty for six hours a day when you get home from work like i i don't i have a playstation i've it on my players give me a hard time because like why do you even have that thing and i, I don't even i think it's for recruiting in my mind but i just want to be cool 
but I, I haven't turned it on. But I think, yeah, really the thing is, is just, it's what do you dedicate your time and your effort into when you're young? And I think obviously as you get older and life happens, um, you need to reorganize. I'm in that point in my life right now. We're just trying to figure out, hey, lift your head up a little bit, see where we're at, and then let's go back to work. But uh, it, it's pretty much been for me is just put your nose to the grindstone and, and kind of success will come. And success is relative for everybody, but success will come. Absolutely. And kind of um, a couple of things there, you know, picking out your priorities. What are your priorities? Where do you see yourself both in work and in outside of work and life? And then two, finding that balance, like you mentioned. And uh, I know that we'll touch on family life here in a little bit um, because that's a a big part in being in the sports industry, you know, 60 to 80 Mm -hmm. hours a week from the moment that you start interning all the way up. Uh, so where, where do you find the balance in that? But um, yeah. that, uh, <laughs> one thing that I was going to say, is just the people that you surround yourself with. So let's talk a little bit about that. The people that you have surrounded yourself with and, um, some of them more influential than others. Um, but how do they help you? Number one, being influent, helping you and influencing you and your decisions. Um, but then also, how do they help you find that balance? One thing that I've been really blessed with the opportunity to is get out to meet a lot of people that most people would be considered famous. And one thing that I've learned just being an agent and being in this industry is fame isn't all that great. Uh, is what you see on the TV and the press, Twitter, social media, Instagram. But I want to get to know these pe- people and you forget that. And I, I always liken this to this. I know a lot of teachers now that I went to college with and grew up with, and I always remember people too. When we were kids in school, they, we forgot that they were people. We just thought they were the mean teacher. But just like the owner of the Lakers is a person, just like every football player is a person, every baseball player is a person, I want to get to know them as people. And once you kind of remove those layers of fame and you get down to the raw, who are they? Um, I've really just begun starting to observe what they do. How do they move? They who do they surround themselves with? And one thing that I've noticed, the the great ones, I believe, will have longevity. They've surrounded with self, themselves with people that are smarter than them. They're not afraid to say, hey, uh, I'm going to surround myself with might know more than me. My ego take a stroke uh, every now and then because of it. But I know that I have people working with me. And that's what I've really tried to do is surround myself with you know high achievers, uh, people that they they want more and not in the sense of greed, but in the sense of, hey, I can push myself. You told me I can't do this. I'm just going to go wrong. Um, and and I really, really, really appreciate that just because, and there's nothing wrong with people that don't do that and doesn't mean they're not going to be successful. It's just for me, the environment that I want to be around is very uh, competitive. I like wanting to be like, I can learn something from somebody. And I think never stopping the learning process is one of the biggest things that was passed on to me from my my grandmother on my mom's side and my parents and everything it's just always keep i don't think you should ever stop learning anything life relationships marriage but most importantly in business because it's ever-changing i mean i'm learning things about my industry daily that i didn't realize or understand maybe a week or two ago it's great just because everything's moving so fast um but really being able to surround yourself with people are good people. They're honest. They do the right thing. They have integrity and you can trust them. A lot of people in business say, oh, well, they're successful. They're wealthy. You know, I want to go learn from them. And I've met a lot of successful, wealthy people that I probably would never do business or want to spend time with 
outside of, you know, having to be forced to be with them just because I just don't line up with them ethically or morally. And that's okay. But I choose to surround myself with people that I feel like can uh, make me better. I can maybe make them better. Um, but at the same time, there's, there's a benefit. It's not a, uh, you know, it's not very superficial. It's like, what purpose do we serve for each other? And yeah. Actually building those relationships, um, meaningful relationships, like you mentioned. And um, I love, I know both you and I both believe in the lifelong learning and reading and diving into different things, uh, surrounding ourselves with people that we can always learn from. And uh, again, talking about those people, um, we've touched on your parents. You let us in a little bit there on your grandmother, um, but who are some of the other influential people in your life through, again, through school, through growing up, anyone that, that you want to give a shout out to and <laughs> oh, <there's, laughs> kind of put you on the path of to where you are? I mean, there's, there's a list that, um, I could start with, uh, you know, parents are my number one, uh, all the opportunities, uh, I'm adopted. So just being adopted alone, just knowing where I came from and, and an understanding that, you know, this is an opportunity. This is a blessing to be here. Really. I think that's, what's the grounding of me. I have a little bit of that Im immigrant mentality of like, I can't fail. So that's probably why uh, I work so hard, but knowing that I've got parents that, uh, love me as their son. Um, but also that provided me with every opportunity uh, to create a path for myself. And I think that was the most important thing for me was they didn't tell me who I was going to be. They didn't tell me who to be. They just said, look, I'm going to give you the firm foundation, the building blocks to be a, a good person, a good Christian man, a good father, a good husband, and uh, you know, a good businessman. And then we'll see what happens from it. And they did the right thing. <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think they think that, um, so they're number one. Uh, number two would be uh, my great uncle who filled in as my grandfather pretty much my entire life. I'd, my grandfathers both died when I was really young and have a relationship with him. But he was uh, my uncle. Will was probably the closest thing I had to a grandfather. But he was the one that always told me, you know, keep making good choices. So he would write every time he would send me a gift. He'd write, keep making good choices. And like I had that in grad school and college on my uh, on my window every morning just to remind yourself, you know, you gotta, you gotta do the right thing every day. And it's easy not to, I think a lot of people forget that we about on social media, you know, I want to go get this. I want to be rich. I want to you know drive this. I want to go there. It's so easy to attain if you do the wrong things, but going to get those things and doing it the right way, that's hard. It's so much sweeter. Cause you can look back and be like, yeah, I earned it. I earned this. I didn't just get this. I, I didn't just take this from somebody. I earned it. And that really, I think, uh, was instilled from him is just, you know, making good choices on a daily basis. And then third, but not last, obvious, my wife. Um, she's uh, my rock, uh, Megan. Uh, we met in college. Um, and uh, luckily for me, uh, she's an attorney. <laughs> so uh, uh, we, our work schedules line up pretty well in terms of how hard we work and how much we work. So finding the balance in life with her is great because he, the times that we are together are truly about quality time. So uh, until we drive each other crazy, like this last week, but, um, <laughs> but you know, it's about spending time. She's my best friend. Um, we have two dogs together, but her support we did. This is actually our going on second year of marriage is going on our eighth year together. This is the, we've only lived together for six months the first time living with my wife full time. 
so um we've been long distance since grad uh since i we graduated in 2015 she did arkansas law school and i did uh, grad school at central florida so it's just been a crazy thing but to have somebody that has been supportive and understanding of my uh personal disruptions in life my sometimes i got to be tied to my phone on vacation but we can go on vacation she's been super understanding so i couldn't think of anybody else that would do that in this world and i'm so thankful to have her in my life so and um fantastic i love megan and uh, always enjoyed getting to visit with her at the ballpark but i think that that is something that's so important whenever you go to find a partner in life is that you want someone who understands and supports your dreams and and, and understands that sometimes there's a little bit of sacrifice um but yeah. ultimately God willing, um, that you're able to live a very long and fulfilling life um, together, supporting each other in the goals and dreams that you're going after. Um, and I know that just uh, exactly what she does for you, you in turn also do it for her and in, in supporting her career. And then I love how you always touch on your family um, because, you know, you're, like you mentioned, being adopted you could let that go a couple of different ways. And instead it's finding the positive that they gave you opportunity and they gave you life and you're going to do whatever in your power to, you know, to help build their legacy um, for all that they gave you. So I absolutely love that. I love um, hearing more about your family. And uh, so thank you for sharing that with our listeners. No problem. Um, I, I kind of feel like you already touched on this a little bit uh, with the fame, um, but I know that there are so many people out there that love to hear from a sports agent's perspective, uh, because again, you you see there's all these myths, I feel like, in, in the sports industry in general, but for sure with sports agents that you get to hang out with famous people. And um, but like right. you said, they're people. And right. so what is something that you would say is a myth um, being in your position outside of the fame? Um, the three things that I, the, the common misconceptions are we're terrible people. We're all crooks that my life is like ballers on HBO. I live the <laughs> life of the rock and that, um, I get free tickets everywhere. I do not get free tickets everywhere. I pay for all of my tickets. It hurts. <laughs> um, but the bad people part of it, there are a lot of bad people everywhere. And I think Rich Paul said it best uh, in his piece of it. He said, does getting a master's degree not make you a bad person? And it's the truth. I think there are a lot of people that no matter what business are, there's bad people. And, but in the athlete agent industry, because of some of the ways that this, the system is set up, um, yeah, it creates an opportunity for more bad people to enter in to take advantage of, of other people. Um, so we're not all bad. There's uh, 850 agents, 20%, uh, the 850 have a client. And of that 20%, um, 30% about, or excuse me, not own. I can't say that. Sorry. Get killed for that one. <laughs> um, we'll edit so, that out. <laughs> yeah. There, there's 850 registered agents, roughly. About 20% have at least one client. Of that 20%, uh, probably 15% control the majority of contracts in the NFL. We actually fall into that 15%. So when you talk about those percentages on top of a percentage, there's a lot of people in this industry that don't even have a client that are great human beings. 
And we only focus on the ones that have clients that have done bad things. But I know a lot of great people that it's about the player. It's not about the bottom line. And one of the biggest things that people who want to get into this industry need to understand is, is how are these businesses structured? And I think that will help dictate how you come in and try to negotiate or say, you know, I need this or I need this for an internship or this is what I'm expecting. Well, you can't expect corporate perks at a, you know, one man shop. It just, it's not going to happen. And that's the piece of it is, is maybe for anybody, just small advice, especially in the sports industry world is to look at, Hey, where can I, you know, position myself where what I want, what I can contribute are going to match up with the company that I'm at. Um, I, I, the people come at me wanting to, you know, intern as if we were a EAA or Wasserman uh, of the world, which are big agencies. And I kind of look at them and I say, Hey, that's great. I'm all for it. That's not us. If you want to do what we do, come on. If you want to do what they do, go work with them or try to get an internship. I promise you getting an internship with them is going to be a lot harder than getting an internship with me. But if that's what you want, you need to go and get that. But also understand it's not the same. And I think a lot of people also think that agents are bad people because of some situations where uh, athletes make their own decisions. And sometimes agents say, don't do that. But the athlete does. And again, they're people. They're, they're grown men. Uh, these are adults. They can do whatever they want. It's our job to advise and not make decisions for them, but to simply say, hey, look, this is the best case scenario. This is the worst case scenario. These are all of the consequences that come from your decision. Do you want to make this decision or that decision? And then we'll go ahead and execute. But I think one of the biggest things about it is people just think, oh, they all care about their own money. They don't care about players. They don't care about anything. They just care about, uh, you know, how can they make money and be in the papers? But there's a lot of us that <laughs> that's not all we care about. We care about uh, them as people first, then athletes. And, you know, money is where money goes. And, and really a lot of the, the way the business model is structured, there's not a lot of agents that are really making money. Um, just how much investment goes into each player and developing their talent and, and the time and everything. It, it's not the best business model to get into. But I think that's another piece of it that people think, oh, you can go be an agent and have riches. And, and I know so many agents that they might have riches, but that's because they're an attorney and they have a very successful firm and they just wanted to dabble in sports and, and, and this is their way in. So um, just figure it out. Look at the industry, go to sports agent blog, look at inside the league. Uh, those are kind of, you know, your agency insider places and then go from there, uh, get in front of people, ask questions and just kind of be a sponge. So uh, Absolutely. And kind of, um, you know, it takes us back to where you started of just visiting with people who are in the position to see, hey, is this something that I really want to do? You know, take the, mm -hmm. the projects that we all have in college um, where we're supposed to be interviewing and talking to people like don't be afraid to reach out. And I know that that is something that both of us enjoy doing is just talking to the next generation because there was people mm -hmm. when we were in their shoes who helped us. And right. um and so using that, that opportunity to say, like, you're just like your athletes, you're a normal person, too. And you don't mind visiting and, and helping people when you can. And right. uh, so I think that is awesome. And again, just overall, the whole perspective um, of not only athletes, but then sports, sports agents um, as well. And in what you guys do, I think that there's a lot of positive 
things that you're doing, um, not only for your athletes, but, um, you know, you as a person. And so what is one of the most fun things that you would say, um, that you've been able to do as, you know, with team sports? Um, wow. Fun. <laughs> it's all fun. Uh, memorable, memorable moments. Memorable. Does it have to involve something that I did because of my uh, job or be what I did in my job? I'm trying to think. There's so many memorable moments, Catherine. <laughs> Every, everything's a victory for me. There's, there's, being an agent, there's a lot of sales pieces to it. Um, we're always selling in the sense that part of recruiting to get clients is just sales. And, and really, it's easy and natural for me to talk about it because that's kind of how I got into college is I recruited, sent emails out. My parents were like, we're not paying $500 for somebody to send emails. You can send emails yourself and make your own DVD. So that's what I did. Bubble mailers every week. And again, got to thank mom because she was like, these are the supplies. You do it. <laughs> um, I just knew how to recruit myself. So I started recruiting. But one of the things is it's just it's a lot of sales. Like you have to learn how to talk. You have to learn how to be personal with people, not pushy sales, not used car salesman sales, but, you know, very, hey, like I want to get to know you, build that trust and also understand like this is who we are as people. This is who you're going to work with. And this is our passion track record. Um, but the most memorable moment would be uh, to date right now is we had, I had my first first round pick that I co-rep with my partner, Scott Casterline and LJ Collier in 2019. And that was my second year of being actually certified. So I got certified in 18, got second year in 19. So I had a full recruiting cycle. Um, and we just had met LJ early. No one else had. And we believed in him and we believed in that kid. And we just looked at each other and we said like, this kid can be great. And when we got him, we thought, you know, he's going to be a first round pick. No one else did. And, you know, you get cliche a lot in our industry, like, oh, he's going to be a first round pick. But there's 32. You look at all the mock drafts in the world. There's a bunch more th first round picks than there are picks. Um, so everybody kept telling us no and everybody kept telling us no. But we believed in, in him and his talent and who he is as a person and what drove him. And, you know, we put the plan together and we executed and, you know, it came down to draft day. We didn't even get invited to the draft. That's how unsure the world was about it. And we got that call at pick 29. I mean, we had a room full of people at the Omni in Frisco, like on pins and needles. We have family, we have friends, we have everybody staring at myself and my partner. And he got the call and it was surreal. I mean, when he got that call and then two minutes later, he got his name called on the, uh, by Roger Goodell, it was, I never thought that it would come in my second year of being certified, which was my third or fourth year doing this. You know, people, there's guys that have been in this industry for 20 plus years that won't even touch that. So just being able to get that uh, early success, again, like the sweet sale, it's, it's a driver. It says you're good enough to be here. You deserve to be here. Don't forget to, uh, you know, make sure to take care of the gift that God's given you. And I think that's probably you know, God's given me a lot of gifts and it's, it's wrong of me to take advantage of it and use it. You know, I don't need this. It's like, Hey, if something's going to fall in my lap, let's go after it. Let's, let's do the best we can. And, you know, I've got a great relationship with LJ and we see him very often and he's just taken off like a rocket in the last two years. So bright future for him. But yeah, that was just, again, there's, there's a lot of just, you know, more memorable moments in terms of just things I've gotten to do because of uh, my job uh, that, I you know, that just, 
start to sound like just bragging and boasting, but you know, it's, you never think that you're going to be in those situations uh, when you're just a kid playing football in college, but to be put in the situations I've been put in, I mean, it's just, you just got to humble yourself. You can either go two ways. I think you either humble yourself or you say, I just, I'm famous now and I deserve to be here. And, and this is where I'm entitled to be. And, you know, I'm just so thankful to, to walk into the rooms, to shake the hands that I shake, to the meet the people that I meet. Um, and then actually build a relationship with them and not just be a, you know, let's take a picture. I think that's the biggest thing is I've tried to not take pictures with anybody in this industry, just because I want them to know like, Hey, we're, we're, we're going to be cordial and do business together, but also I'm not a fan. I, I want to treat you with respect and, and like a person and, and part of that just stems from just talking to my athletes, how they can't go to dinner sometimes without being bothered. And, you know, I've been to dinner with clients or lunch with clients and, you know, it's every five minutes, someone wants to come up and, you know, that's gotta be annoying. And the one thing I would say about fame that a lot of people don't understand, and there's a lot of agents that want us now. I mean, that's, that's a big thing right now is, and they're great agents that are fit, but um, most importantly, the client comes first. You're in this business for your client. And also with fame comes a lot more problems than most people don't have fame have to deal with. And those problems are pains and because I have to deal with those problems. So, um, you know, it, it's just one of those things where uh, I'm just truly blessed for the opportunities I've been given and, and, and really love what I do. Um, you know, it's, it's not always the most exciting things, but when you step back and you look at it big picture, I mean, I can't, there's no reason I should complain. So. And of course, and you followed your passion and uh, you just said it, you love what you do, um, which mm -hmm. makes what you do a whole lot easier because you're passionate right. about it and you feel purpose there. Um, you know, it, it's waking up every day knowing that you're connecting with other people, you're building those relationships and that you have a purpose to kind of change the game on um, what people think. Uh, what you do versus what you actually do. And so living that purpose out loud and then helping people along the way, you know, that, that is so important to be able to help somebody else. And at their most vulnerable times, whenever they are, um, you know, wondering, are they going to be picked first in the draft or um, in the first round of the draft, or are they even going to mm -hmm. have a chance is that they have someone on their side who believes in them and who sees something in them. And, and sometimes we all need that, you know, somebody alongside of us seeing how great we can be and letting mm -hmm. us know um, the talents that God has given us and believing in us to help us then believe in ourselves. So I just, again, I love how in tune you are with all of that. I credit so much of it to your upbringing and to your parents. Um, and, but then too, just your desire to fully live out your God-given purpose, which is again, something that I think that we all want to be able to do is, is wake up every morning excited to do what it is that we're doing. For sure. Um, for so sure, where can sure. our listeners connect with you online? Um, so on Twitter, uh, I'm, oh gosh, I got to spell it cause it's so complicated. So it's <laughs> mmonero 34 Twitter and IG and it's spelled M-M-A-I-N-I-E-R-O-3-4. Um, so I feel like I just, you know, almost on a call center giving my information <laughs> out. <laughs> but, uh, and, then, uh, and then for our agency, uh, our Twitter is T-Sports Agency and then our Instagram is Team Sports Agency. So give us a follow and like. Um, 
we're going to be doing some interesting things this year and next with kind of the digital side to try and tell our guys stories and kind of show you guys a little bit more about people that they are and not just the football players they are. So hopefully uh, that comes up, you know, starts to roll out here soon. So of course, and, and helping them build their brand um, before their careers in, you know, so that there's opportunities there afterwards, which again, so fantastic. Like you said, what you did whenever you realized um, in college, like football won't be forever. And so how do I make the transition spot? Right. Um, my last question for you today, Matt, is uh, again, such a wonderful journey, ups and downs all along the way. But what does joy in the journey mean to you? In the football world, um, you hear a lot about believe in the process. Uh, that's kind of like this mantra that kids have adopted in football, you know, fall process. That's what's going to make you great. Uh, and it's going to get you to the goal, get you past. And I always uh, kind of look at it as, you know, and I said this earlier, everyone has a different definition of what success is. I think we all can say this person is successful, but I think that's completely relative. Uh, my success you know, threshold compared to somebody else's that th success th threshold uh, is, is completely different. And I think in society right now with social media and all the things uh, that are going on in the world, um, we kind of start playing this measuring stick of like, where am I with everybody else? And I think the beauty in all of this and in, in finding the joy in the journey for myself has been, my measuring stick has been, what have I put in? And then where has it taken me? And I've gotten so many opportunities in terms of luck, uh, the harder you work, the luckier you get, right? Um, in terms of just saying like, maybe this, they're not wrong. Like if you do work hard and work smart, you will become successful. Um, but I think a lot of people just weigh their happiness and you know their worth success in the business world. And my biggest thing would be uh, just having that joy in the journey is really like the downs. Everything hasn't been, there's been times when, you know, this year we lost some uh, recruits that we thought we would get. That happens every year. You get told no by somebody. I mean, we we had a top five pick in our pocket, you know, ready to sign and, and just things didn't go right. I mean, that's how it goes every year for everybody. But I think it's being able to, just like in life, pick yourself up, back up and say, look, we can be better or we can be bitter and, and then just keep going with it. Um, and then, you know, Probably the thing that really keeps me going to have, you know, the joy in the journey is uh, a poem by Dr. D. Wintle called It's All in the State of Mind. And uh, I didn't know that poem until college. Um, and my head coach, Todd Knight, who's a huge impact on who I am as a man, how I conduct myself and, and as a Christian, um, would read that to us pretty much before every game and before maybe every Friday night uh, before uh, we'd, we'd, you know, go have our or bedtime checks or whatever but it was one of those poems that when you read it you understand like do anything if you can put your mind to it and I think that that alone has put me in that sense of you know I've I've got supreme faith in God that God's going to put me where I need to be I've got a support system around me and my wife and my family and friends that um, I wouldn't trade for anything I've got the best friends and the best people around me um, and then I've got you know everything's stable in that sense so uh, the joy in the journey really is is the journey. It's, it's being able to wake your head and look and say, Hey, you know, it's not all that bad. It's pretty great. And, uh, you know, this, this week alone, uh, we had these winter storms in Texas and we lost power and we didn't have water and, you know, 
times were tough for a lot of people and a lot of people got it bad. And, and we had, we're fortunate enough to have family close by that took us in. But, you know, when you see something like that, where I still have water today, but you wake up every morning and you go, man, and you turn the sink on and there's not running. I mean, there's people in America and the world that, that wake up every morning and that's the norm and they still go to work and they don't complain about it. They still get their job done. And it's just really saying like, you know, Hey, if things are pretty good and they're all right, smell the roses. I mean, we can still work hard and, and not be satisfied, but, you know, smell the roses and enjoy where you're at because there's a lot of people that don't have what you have. And I think it's just really a humbling experience, actually this last year with, with COVID and then everything here of just, you know, making sure that you understand like, Hey, you know, you can be happy where you're at, but also still grow. And I think, you know, you got to grow where you are sometimes as much as everybody's in the rat race. So that's, that's kind of my joy in the journey. It's long convoluted, but that's kind of how I think sometimes in my head. So <laughs> no, it, it's great. And again, another fantastic perspective. It's something that I ask every week and always love hearing the responses. Um, and it all boils down uh, at the end of everyone's response. It's, it's mindset and um, it's your decision. It's a choice that you make every day to find it. And like you said, it, when you wake up in the morning, there are some people around the world that don't have the opportunities that we we have. And so you just say to yourself, okay, look, today's going to be a good day. And when you do that, then no matter what happens, no matter how sweaty your shirt is running across to the ballpark, like you're, right. you're going to put forth the effort um, to say today, today's journey is going to be a good one. And it's going to be that way because I'm going to make it that way. Yeah, so for sure. thank Even, you so, uh, so much for sharing all no of problem. that. No problem. It, it reminds me of uh, when we were stuffing mailers for season tickets at 2 a.m. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it, it, and there's a Whataburger like run in there as well. <laughs> right. But so many good memories. And Matt, I can't thank you enough for coming on and joining me today. Um, please give my best to Megan and the rest of your family. And uh, I just know that we will continue to see amazing things from you as you continue your career and uh, looking forward to, to watching you and all of the relationships that you continue to build. So thank you again so much for joining me today. And no thank problem. you. Thank you all for tuning in. If there is ever a topic or a guest you want to hear from, please email me at kbt at katherinebuckley.com and let me know. I am so excited to continue to share with you and would love to hear from you. So please subscribe and leave me a review wherever it is that you're getting this podcast. Until next week, I will leave you with the words from Thomas Monson. Let us relish life as we live it, find joy in the journey, and share our love with friends and family.